Chilo. Hey, I'm Erica. I'm Derek. We're play cousins. Not related. Not at all. And it is <laughs> not ever. I do miss you though. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever because Please. the last episode we recorded, I was actually not even in town. So right. it's nice to be, you know, back in the same vicinity with you. Yeah, you were in the Midwest, which I don't understand, but okay. Love, love, love. Chilly, but it's nice. People talk to each other. You walking down the street, everybody, how you doing, brother? Hey, sis. Oh, I love you here. Hey, what's going on? There's a lot, just random friendliness that happens in the grocery store that does not happen in Las Vegas. Do you get a lot of this? What you know, you realize this is like a podcast. People don't know what this is. Oh, okay. Is For black doing? people, I just did the black people head up nod. Hey, mm -hmm. what's up? What's up? Yeah, what's up? you get that. Yeah, okay. you get quite you get a lot of what up though. Speaking of what up and black people, can I have a white guy racist rant real quick? Can we make it quick? It's quick. All our time okay, so racist. I just literally had the world's worst ever food poisoning. Like it was like as bad as when Jesus ate that apple at the beginning of the Bible. So I didn't know how to like make my stomach get calm again, right? So I went and I, I went to Sate Malaysian Grill, one of my favorite restaurants. I got a little curry, I got a little rice. Turns out not a good decision. Afterwards, I felt like a virgin at a prison riot. But all I wanted was a popsicle. All I want is a big stick. A big stick is orange and pineapple mixed together with a little cherry. That's all it is. I don't like multiculturalism. Here's why. I could not find a single American type of like just a big stick anywhere. I hate multiculturalism, globalization, and Putin. That's all. None of those things have anything to do with anything or anybody. I don't know how that's a, a, a rant because you can't find your popsicles. That sounds more like a tantrum that a three-year-old would throw. You say potato, I say potato. So what are you watching these days? Well, <laughs> Gilded Age finished its uh its season, which I was really sad. Like, why are Wait, that's so the whole now? season? That was it? That was the whole season. Eight oh, episodes. God. Why when have we gone down to eight episodes? We haven't done like 24 episodes for right. a television show. Oh no, I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, oh. now we gotta wait a year and a half probably because you know it's take forever. And by the time they get out those girdles and get back in them, <laughs> it'll be 1922 okay. and Lady Edith will be and then on Saturday, I'm not ashamed to say, which was the day after uh, the new season of Bridgerton um, debuted, I sat on Saturday and watched the whole thing in bed, did not get dressed, did not care. And all, of all of Bridgerton. All of Bridgerton. You binge Bridgerton. I that is so girly. Bridgerton. That is so I'm like. I'm a girl. I like Yeah, but girl. you usually watch stuff about vaginas. Like that. I, I, I went to Erica's. Yes, you do. I went to Erica's house the other day and she was intensely into some show about midwifery. It's called Call the Midwife. I do love it. It's a BBC show. It comes on PBS here. The new season just came out in the United States. It was mildly interesting, but it was all about vaginas. So I'm well, really. It's about childbirth. It's about midwives. It's not about vaginas specifically. It's about. And it's really, it's, it's really, um, um, just women parts. Sorry. <laughs> women parts. Yes. It's about, it's about families and it's about like East London in the 19, I think it's, I think it started in like the 1940s. It's like 1966 now. Not and a cute so, period. It's based, on, it's based on memoirs of an actual midwife from that time who lived in the slums of that part of London where, and, and, and you know, they start to show like the immigrants coming in, they do a really good job. And the babies always look like they actually did look like they just yeah they were dripping they yeah. are casting babies that are like two days old i swear because yeah, i hate yeah. when i see a show and someone just had a baby and 
the baby looks like it's like eight months old. Like the Olsen twins. Baby, <laughs> baby sitting up. That's right, drinking, buddy. Drinking from a cup. <laughs> right. <laughs> Asking for their agent. Yeah. Um, I was re- I'm really surprised because, okay, so Bridgerton. I actually glanced at it, meant to glance at it, and then fell down a wormhole. So, yes, I have watched a little Bridgerton myself. But the I'm first sorry. Season or I, second? I'm the second season. The first season I watched religiously because of Reggie Jean Bonnet, or whatever his name is, Jean Ramsey, whatever his name is. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> whatever. He should be the new James Bond. He should be the new James Bond. He should be a whole lot of things. He, uh-huh, he should be gay and calling me. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I started watching the second season just to see what was up. No one is as cute as him, like by any means, shape or form. But I got to say, I like the little fat girl, the one who turns out to be the gossip columnist. Spoiler alert. Um, you know the one I'm talking about? No. What are you talking about? Bridgerton. She's oh, the, the gossip oh, columnist. Oh, oh, the redhead. Yeah. The one that is Lady Whistledown. That's her. I like okay. her. Yeah. I yeah. also liked her. She's in a show called uh, Derby Girls or mm-hmm. Derby. Anyway, it's about Northern Ireland during the, the Troubles, but it's mm-hmm. a comedy. And she's hilarious in that. So I'm real happy to see her in another is project. She a comedian? Yeah, she's a, she's a comedic actress, I'd say. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah I've, I've not seen her in other things. I've seen other people that were on the show. Because I had seen him before, John. I don't really know how you say his name, um, but it's Johnny not John Ramsey. Ramsey. It's not that. <laughs> that's a little girl who her parents, the parents killed. Oh, oh and we just that's don't the know pageant exactly prince. Whatever happened, that was God, like Colorado. I'm sorry, sorry, John. Yeah, that her mom Either and her dad way. got all. Yeah, okay, got it. Either way, um, he played in the um, uh, the updated version of Roots. And so oh, really? he played Chicken George. Yeah, that's the first place I saw him was in the updated version. Because I see that ben version Vereen? of my kids would watch. Well, he was not. Yes, he played Ben The Ben Vereen Vereen, or was that Or was that the other guy? No, it was Ben Vereen. Ben Vereen was played Vereen, Chicken okay. George in the original Alex right. Haley Roots from 1970. Um, I don't remember what year. That the and entire nation stopped and watched because every day at school we had to talk about it the next morning. Really? Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, and they should have like, but then yeah. I wish somebody would have did that with the second because the second one was actually done really well. I'm and sure if anybody watched it, it wouldn't feel like they did. They were disingenuous to the original. They updated enough for my children to watch it and then say they would watch it again because I want them. I wanted to sink in, you know, what that right. was. But either way, it's time for us to do other stuff. Yeah, because we're eating nuts from our producer. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, but American American popsicles, uh, that's my thing now. The coat's in session. The coat's in session now. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the Hey, I'm Erica, the play cousin of all play cousins. I wanted to take this moment and just talk about the news. The only news that really matters right now is that we have a black woman in the Supreme Court, Justice Katanji Jackson. I am elated. Like, I there's not even words for it. It's not just because she's a black woman and she's smart and, and qualified and all of the things, because we've had a lot of black, smart, qualified people who could have been on the Supreme Court. We just haven't had the opportunity to do it. And so no matter how you feel about political parties and what have you, we need these opportunities. And I feel like these opportunities are what give people um, the idea that we can be 
great that we can do more, that things can actually change, that we can actually see real justice, both as a black person and as a woman and as an American, that we can see um, the tides changing, that all the civil rights work, all the abolitionist work, that is not for, for nothing, that it's for something, that this is a step in the right direction and it will be brilliant. Here comes the judge. Has a nice ring to it, don't it, y'all? Hey, y'all, I'm Erica. I'm Derek. We're play cousins. Not related. Not whatsoever. Not Jesus. ever, 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 ever. You want to be so bad, it hurts you. But anyway, who I, hi. Not mind, who I would not mind being related to who? is a really good friend of mine who is my long distance buddy who had uh -huh. sane and calm throughout the past two years, who I appreciate so very much. Uh, her name, is, her, her <laughs> name is the fabulous Danielle Atkinson. Welcome, Crowd Danielle. Noise. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Danielle, is, Danielle has, is joining us from the fabulous city of Detroit. Mm, north of Detroit. Well, yeah, you're like a few, you're a few stops from the from the border, from the, from eight mile. Yeah, but, but tell somebody but, to hear that. But I, fun I, fact, I lived in Detroit for um, a lot of years, majority of the years of my life, and but I did not know Danielle. We did not meet until I moved to Las Vegas, and um, I came for something, a conference. I don't know. I think that's where we met. I'm not sure. You were pregnant, and we I think we sat on a panel together or what have you, yeah. but we spent a lot of time during the pandemic well, I should say, let me let me step back a little bit because let's talk about Danielle a little more. Let's talk about the fabulous work she does. She is executive director of an organization, national director of an organization called Mothering Justice, which is based in Detroit. And so she runs an organization which is very similar to the organization that I lead, Make It Work Nevada, where we advocate for with Black women around uh, a host of issues, uh, mostly reproductive justice and economic justice issues that um, that plague our lives on a daily basis. And so I say that to say that I think one of the reasons that we connect is because our work is so similar, but also we are mamas, we are black women, we are, you know, doing our best to try and make it work on a regular basis. And I don't think if it was for our long group chats and Zoom nights and happy hours that uh, I would have made it through um, into through this pandemic in any sort of way. So you know, Danielle, how how Welcome, was, Danielle. How, was hey. the how was the pandemic for you? Erica said a glass of wine. I see. Right, right. <laughs> so yes, we we did meet beforehand, but if you remember, we met with another friend that we all kind of knew each other a little bit, but totally bonded right before lockdown, like literally a few weeks before lockdown. And then we were like, we were okay. in DC, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I the pandemic sucks for me. It, I, I don't know anybody who would answer that any better, but we're here. You we got to stay home with your babies. 
But actually, you got to go to Hawaii. You spent oh, most of the pandemic cool. in Hawaii, so I really want to feel like oh, the know, truth is out. No, talking yeah. about the I mean, lockdown stuff. is lockdown. He was on the beach catching <laughs> octopus and 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 swimming with dolphins. There was, Danielle just said lockdown is lockdown. Okay, Attica. There was a time I called Erica and we're like talking about work. And I look out my window, I'm like, oh my God, I just saw a dolphin. And Erica's like, oh my God, I just saw a homeless person. I'm like, oh. <laughs> But lockdown is lockdown. But lockdown right. is lockdown. Same thing. Hey, I have a question for the two of you. Um, we're talking about how, you know, the pandemic and everything last two years. To me, over the last two years, during this pandemic, Black women have like blossomed into something. Erica and I always talk about this and I always sort of ask, um, it's been a moment of renaissance for Black women over these last two years. Do you think that the pandemic in some way had something to do, to do with that? Or was it just a time in history? Like what happened? I mean, I think the rest of the world gets to see what we do, right? Um, you know, we at the beginning of the pandemic, People would be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. My dog is here or my husband is here or my children here. And we're like, we've been juggling these five <laughs> things since the beginning of time. And the introspection is like, yes, no. When you are constantly facing oppression, that's what you have to do is you have to go inward. So I think the rest of the world just figured out that Black women are awesome. <laughs> so can I tap into those tools that you've been <laughs> utilizing forever? But right. basically then did, did did black women make change while white women were making bread? Like why did it affect black women so differently? I don't know that it affected that that's the case. I think a lot of people were making bread. Um, you know, we all put on some extra pounds in different places. So we're obviously doing some sort of culinary uh, cuisine <laughs> <laughs> happening. But I, I don't know if it had anything to do with, you know, the uprising around Black Lives Matter and, you know, between, you know, uh, you know, Black men being killed by police to Black men being killed by vigilantes down in Georgia to whatever. You know, I think that, you know, Black women are usually the ones that come together to, um, you know, help spark these groundswells when these things happen. I don't know if that has something to do with it or the fact is at some point people just have to see your shine because it's just there and that you can't deny it forever. Yeah. No, I think Black Lives Matter definitely had something to do with it. Now that I'm thinking about the timeline and Erica, you said that. And of course, like you said, like Black women are the antithesis of movements. They start them, they carry them on um, even while you know, they're not necessarily always getting the credit, but we're in a time when it's hard to deny the credit um, of Black women, especially organizers. Um, but yeah, no, we're here. We're still doing the same thing that we've been doing for for generations. And then also the what people needed the most when they were locked down was community, right? And again, when you are the center of oppression, multiple oppressions culminating, you have nothing but your community. So again, learning new skills that have been around you and you have just not seen for ages. Who brought you to your blackness? Mm. Who brought me to my blackness? Yeah, like who 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 basically sat you down as a little girl, a young woman, a woman, and 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 basically who's who do you look to in your life and go, that's the moment that I knew who I was in my blackness. 
Well, I think there's many moments, right? Like I remember very distinctly my mother having the conversation that every black woman, I think every black girl has when it's like, you have to work four times as hard. You have to work two times as hard because you're black and two times as hard because you're a woman. Um, So I remember, I remember exactly where we were in the house when my mother said that to me. I remember my sister coming back from an HBCU and just like, you know, we grew up in Connecticut, child of children of immigrants. Um, So we're always like in a subset of a subset, but she came back with this awakening of just like, we can be any kind of black woman we want to be. There's a whole bunch of black women out there. And that was a moment for me Um, becoming a black mom and like being in a Detroit hospital and knowing exactly what it meant to be a black an unmarried black woman in a Detroit hospital and recognizing the treatment and being like, that's what it means to be a black woman. I think that um, that's a really interesting question, Derek, because I don't, I was sitting there thinking, I don't know that I can answer it. I don't know when it happened, when, you know, if there was a particular moment, I will say that it was quite different living in Detroit and then moving to Las Vegas and coming from a place that is blacky black, you know, there's black people everywhere. And I never, you know, I, I saw more black people than I ever saw of anything else, you know, for the most part. Right. And, and, and then, and then, cause I think next under black folks is probably, um, um, uh, uh, Muslims folks from Arabic folks. So yeah. folks from different parts of, of the Middle East. So uh, whether it's Chaldean or, or what have you. But when I moved here, I actually had to like look for black people. Yeah. And I was like, where are they at? Like, where, what part of town? You know, where do they live at? Where do I find X, Y and Z? And I realized like how different life was for me that you know, it's because it's so noticeable to me to go places and it not be majority black that the uh, hotels aren't run, aren't managed by black folks and, and right. the housekeeping staff are not black folks and what have you, but it would be that way in DC or some or other Atlanta. places. Yeah. Or Atlanta or Detroit or what have you. And so um, I think I was more acutely aware of that, of how the world looks, you know, I think. And, and I also feel like um, I carried myself differently because um, uh I was, I was used to being around a lot of black folks and I never felt like a minority. I didn't grow up feeling like a minority. I don't, I don't respect to that. That's not my life. I'm not a minority. Yeah. I, you know, I grew up more like Danielle and well, I grew up in Chicago, which was blackity black, black, black. I didn't go to school with a white person until the eighth grade, but then we moved to West Covina, California, which was the exact opposite. But I have to wonder, um, where do you think, where do both of you think Black women thrive in majority Black communities? Or um, do you think that maybe, uh, you know, it goes back to the whole resegregation question. Do we do better when we're alone? I know we do better when we're left alone, but do we better when we're with our own, I guess is, is to say the question. You know... I don't know. Like if you refer back to, you know, old writings, you know, I'll think of uh, like Dr. Um, uh, Sonia Douglas, who is from Las Vegas. She wrote a book called Learning in a Burning House. And 
she um, talks about, um, you know, how I think it was a part of a quote, I think, from Martin Luther King. It's been so long since I, I, I read the book, mostly read the book and talked about that. We, we integrated into a place that really wasn't for us and it wasn't equipped for us. And, and, and then they just still sort of it was were we better off when it was um, when it was separate. And we had to, you know, make a way and make do. I think it's kind of how, you know, when you don't have a lot of food in the refrigerator and you can make something gourmet and special out of it as opposed to throwing out the door, back door. <laughs> but you go to the grocery store and you buy, you spend $300 on food and you're home. You're like, what am I about to eat? I don't know. I don't, but but there's very little in there. You can get inspired and do something. <laughs> you know, maybe it's the same thing. When we had less, we did more with it and we supported on, we supported ourselves more. And so, I don't know maybe that has something to do with it or we're just trying to assimilate so much and trying to compare ourselves and measuring stick to other people other groups when we're not concentrating on what betters us and what's good for us and i think that's part of that issue Danielle? yeah no i really love that question because you know i my my daughters are about to go to high school and we they've been going to a predominantly white school and they're biracial and you know when you have light-skinned biracial daughters you have to be like I want you to join Team Black. So we've had the conversation about them going to school in Detroit, right? And it's the same conversation about like, where do you thrive? Where do you, you know, like you've been in these schools for so long. Are you going to be able to make the transition? Um, you know, my sister went to an HBCU after going to a predominantly white school. And I was talking to somebody and we talked about this awakening that a lot of black women have once they go to high school. I mean, once they go to college and we all kind of have it in different situations, right? Whether we leave a predominantly white institution to go to another predominantly white institution or a predominantly black institution and going to a predominantly white or a predominantly white and going to a predominantly black, we all have this time when we're like, Hey, this is when I really want to figure out what being a black woman means to me. Um, and so, you know, we're like, they're, they're going to have college. They're going to have that thing. And I think we just, it's in us, right? It's not something externally we have to find um, when you're talking about flourishing. And so I think we can do it under um, a variety of settings and circumstances. And it's, it's humbling and relieving to know, unburdening to know that you will find it. You will thrive because no. blackness will find you. Blackness will find you. Hashtag. Um, <clears throat> what you have all girls? No, oh, I wish. No, I love them. <laughs> I love them all equally. I have four girls and two boys. Okay, so the two boys are how old? They are. See, now you're quizzing me. Um, nine and seven. <laughs> you should know these answers, sweetheart. No. So, <laughs> and, excuse me. I'm gonna buddy in right there and say they should be lucky that they are on this earth. Past that once. Once they age. Age, you've taught them how to count, then they keep up with their own birthdays Thank and how you. old they are. What was the you two developed this friendship during the pandemic mm -hmm. online over the whole zoomy zoomy thing? Yeah. What was the moment that you were like, oh, you know what? We friends. I think we already was. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, I think. Well, one, I think it was another person who was just like a a, a like connector who just like wouldn't let us go and was like, this this is a thing and we're going to do it. So you like, you got to find the connectors because not everybody's a connector, right? Like somebody, yeah. somebody's willing to be connected, but not necessarily a connector. And, um, and just, I, I don't know. It's funny. I saw a picture of one of our first like 
Zooms. And I think like just talking into the night, being like, okay, this conversation is effortless. Yeah. yeah. Cause there's nothing. Yeah. Cause, and I think that's what it is. I think it's us just one being ourselves and, and feeling like we have the space to just be like, girl, I have no idea what the heck I'm doing. You know, and nothing is working. Everything is falling apart. I am holding myself together with tape and glue. Yeah. Well, isn't, and isn't okay. that what a friendship is though? It's supposed to be. It's supposed yeah. to be. More about what actually Danielle does her organization a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, before we started, we were talking about uh, how you guys met online and stuff. And I'd like to we go more. Meet, we didn't meet online. <laughs> I'm not saying you had a grinder so we date. We did each other penis pics. Right, I'm not like, saying that. Right. <laughs> but what I'm saying is just I, I want to talk more about like how. Oh, I know what it was. So, Erica, one of the things, Danielle, that I'm so proud about Erica is. Before I met Erica, all of the women that I knew here were sort of backbiting. When I met Erica, I met all, all of the women that I felt were um, good, supportive of other black women women. It turns out Erica was in there with them. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk some way about the importance of black women supporting each other. And the reason that it came up in my head is because you said that there was a connector. And I want to talk about how important connectors are to black women Mm -hmm. going forward it's funny in their lives and in their careers that's funny because i was like our connector wasn't a black woman ling ling oh. i was like oh you're talking about ling ling that's what i figured i've heard you mention ling ling because i always think of that panda so um what not a panda. she is a chinese immigrant woman she's not a panda google ling ling and i bet the panda comes up before her so anyway this is why I'm still drinking. It's a different spelling. It's a different spelling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And so, then I do want to, and I want to round out, or I don't know if it's a round out, but I want to talk about, did we lose any friends or the pandemic people that we just kind of yeah. moved away from? And do we know why? Y'all just cut a bitch. Yeah. Well, I think 10 minutes is just enough for two questions. Um, so Erica, you want to start? We got more time. It's off. I'm, we don't, we're not constrained. I said you can continue and you asked me how much time. Don't so argue with our producer. She's the only thing holding me together. I think 10 minutes would be good enough where it's reasonable for people to listen to the whole thing, even the extended episode. Okay, whatever. Okay. I go with little Hitler. All right. <laughs> All right. We're going to start. Uh, I'll just give you to 29 minutes and 30 seconds. Brenda, is that your okay. baby covered up back there? No, no, she's not here today. Oh, okay, never mind. That's just baby stuff that like, hangs no. up. Like, no, there's no baby. Back I have there. a playroom behind me. Ah. Yes, you see the slide. Make it work has a slide. Aww. Don't try to get on it, Derek. <laughs> okay, y'all. So, you know, okay. Danielle is still here with us. We hey. uh, spent. A little, we took a little break because you know the radio only gives up so much time, but the internet, the wild and free internet, Al Gore's internet gives us all the time the in the dark world. Nets today. The dark nets today. I haven't been on the dark we're, net, we're but but anyway, so we were talking about um, just before. We were Who were we talking with? We're talking with Danielle Atkinson, the executive director of Mothering Justice, and my friend, friend. That's what I'm saying. Because we friends, and we might as well be play cousins. Man. Um. 
And so we were talking about, you know, connecting during the pandemic. And one of the things that I noticed that there are people that I sort of drifted away from during the pandemic. Um, and I don't know if it had anything to do with that or it just got to be, you know, a lot and, and we were busy. And because the work, our work amped up during the pandemic, it didn't die down. And I mean, I, I think, um, you know, everything holy that I was able to have a job and able to provide. And, and that wasn't a concern, but we were in such overdrive because we work, you know, you know, in nonprofits, but also in politics. And it was also an election year, a very big election year. And so I felt like I was working 60, 70 hours sometimes sitting in front of my computer. And I think there are some friends that, you know, I probably neglected and then they had their own stuff going on and they, you know, they were probably neglectful as well. And it just sort of goes away. But even before the pandemic, there are people I were, I was friends with for a long time and I'm not so much anymore. And it's not because anything in particular happened. It wasn't a but big But you had problem. to make an effort to be friends with them. And was it just not worth the effort? I don't, that's the thing. Is, is that it? Is it because it doesn't, well, what makes it not worth the effort if we were friends at one point and then you're just not? Were you really? Danielle? Yeah, no, for me, it was about the intentionality, intentionality. It was about choosing to stay committed. Like my friendships were like, all right, let's go have lunch. Cool. I'm hungry. You're hungry. We'll make this work. Or let's do a play date with the kids. It's convenient. It's it's mutually convenient, right? But to choose friendship in a time when you're like thinking about whether or not you're going to die that's intentional, right? And you, there was so much, there was so much. And you're like, okay, I need a person who can talk to me about this, who can relieve me of this burden. And it's just like a different person during the pandemic, I, I think. Um, Danielle, I want to switch gears a little bit. You live in Michigan, where Erica one day returns to the promised land. And, um, Pontiac. Anyway, so um, <laughs> anyway, so here's my question. Michigan is one of those places that's going through some crazy stuff politically. Mm -hmm. You have four little girls and two little boys. How do you explain to, or do you explain to them about the political world and how politics actually are going to affect them even more than you because I mean, they're the future. Yeah. I think I'm in a different boat than most people. Like Erica and I are in a different boat. Well, this is what we live and breathe, right? So they've never known anything different. <clears throat> Every convert, they were, most of them were born during Obama. They were, even they though they were born during a rally of some sort, <laughs> <laughs> conceived at least. I, I call them Obama after babies. a voter registration drive. <laughs> I call them Obama babies, and then Willa, the last one, is a Trump baby, and my husband oh. defended. But like you know, I made them. They were acutely aware of a historical moment, even though it wasn't historical to them. It was all they ever knew. And then when Trump was elected, they you know they went through all the crises that that my husband and I went through, right? Like they were crying before going to school because they didn't know if they were going to get arrested at school. You know, mm -hmm. um, obviously we had to explain that's, that's not the end of the world that we were, that we were talking about, but um, you know, they, it's, it, it, it's second nature to them to think about what they do in a political context. Um, and well, I'm originally from, well, I'm not originally, but I'm from Florida. So they know it's, hey. it's, it's not as crazy as it could be. But do they, are they um, 
soldiers? Are they missionaries? Yes. They are. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They know who they are and they know who their parents are. They will go to school. Okay, so I'll tell you a story. Josiah, the nine-year-old, he came back to school and he came back from school and I'm like doing the Zoom like this and he comes in and I'm like, oh, hey, Josiah, was it a good day or a bad day? Because he is dramatic. It's great or it's horrible. And he's like, it was a bad day. And I was like, why, Josiah, why was it a bad day? He's like, everybody was celebrating America. And I had to tell them that America was a lie. And I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus be the wheel. Josiah, <laughs> what did you say? And he's like, well, I just told them that it was a lie. I was like, no, no, sir. What did you say? You have to back up what you say. And what did you say? He said, uh, I told them that America is a lie, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, Pearl Harbor, and slavery. And then he just walked away. I was like, well. <laughs> he didn't lie. He gave facts, he backed it up, he gave evidence. Okay. So, so there's a little Derek there. I love it. <laughs> Look, I think that, you know, as much as, you know, we want children to learn what they need to learn in school, if we don't supplement them with actual facts, if we don't supplement them with, you know, texture and contour around, yeah. you know, what is being said, you know, when you talk about Columbus Day and things like that, luckily, I think, you know, maybe your youngest may not have much conversation around Columbus Day once she gets, you know, firmly Hopefully. in school. Um, but I remember, you know, when I was a, a young girl or whatever, like, you know, we're, we are fed these things and, yeah. and we are told, you know, that, you know, the Indians did this and then the settlers were doing this and it's just like, but wait, but why was y'all here? Like, I and, grew and, up playing cowboys and Indians where nobody was going to be an Indian. So, right. Yeah. And, right. Because in and, and that, and that, through line that was like ingrained in people, which is still ingrained in a lot of people, which is how we end up having self-hate for ourselves and, yeah. and, and hate for other people of color because somebody told us a lie. And, you know, I think that's another part about our friendship, Erica, when we are, our children, our oldest are around the same age and they're going through all that they're going through because of puberty, the world coming to an end, pandemic, the hormones and the pandemic is not a good mix. And, we commiserated around what we were doing and who we were in this moment, not necessarily our kids. And that's another thing that can, I think, disrail a friendship or just, you know, cause you to put it aside. And like, you know what? I'm sick of talking about my kid. And yeah. we, <laughs> you know, because you just. And you don't have to. And I don't have to apologize that. Yeah. I've never had to say, but I love my kids. Well, exactly. yeah, duh. Exactly. That's not, that's not well, the point. But that don't mean I feel like hanging out with them right now, and they and they can't. We're in the same house for months, and I'm just like, y'all are still here, and exactly. I don't have any mommy space to be. But Erica, your not kids, a mommy your Erica. kids are extra special, and I mean that in the best positive way ever. Your it's kids are like so much personality. Sound like you mean in a short bus way. <laughs> <laughs> your kids are so. Each one of them, I, I'm constantly looking at going. Okay. You're badass too, huh? Just and like I, your I mean, mammy. I have, I have to correct, Danielle. Our kids, our oldest, are not the same age. My youngest and her oldest oh, yes. are the same age. Exactly. Oh, my sorry. youngest, her oldest, are right around the same age. Okay, my other so two I, are, are way. I'm going to ask they, a question. They vote. My other two vote. That's right, huh? How old are you? Anyway, um, so I, I do have I do have a question. I do have a question, and Erica, you can you can answer last, but. Danielle, you have six kids. And let me tell you something. I don't remember anything about anybody. Okay. If it's not about me, whatever. Um, I That's just so learned true. Erica's that kids' so names. True. You know, yeah. He doesn't so, remember my kids' names. He's known me. It's almost our anniversary. So I am changing subjects for two seconds because I was going through my big old um 
bench full of newspapers from stories that I wrote for the Sentinel Voice some years ago. And I found the article that I wrote about when Obama finally um, said that being gay was okay, you know, with the military and all of that. You remember? And so that uh, was that was 2010, I think it was. Yeah, 2010, yeah. It was May, and, and so the article came out like May 11th or something, 2010. Uh, and then a picture of you and Senator Patricia Spearman before she was Senator Patricia Spearman. Um, when she was just cover. lesbian, yeah. Cool. And so, <laughs> but she is one of our state senators now, so she is so much more. She's got 14 different titles. But anyway, I was like, oh, I need to tell Derek it's our anniversary. So I'm looking to figure it's 10 years. So I, happy no, gay liberation inter- anniversary. Yeah, it's 11 years. So look up whatever the 11th anniversary is. And then that's what I'm expecting in May. OK, so. Now oh, OK, I got you. Just yes, like the insurrection okay. ruins your birthday. OK, got it. It did. So, yeah, those those folks ruin my birthday and every year. Know. That's all people are ever going to talk about on my birthday on January 6th is uh-huh. what they did over there. And the gays being freed from their shackles means that it's time to buy Erica a gift. Got it. OK, so um, I'm glad you it, understand. I, I got it. I got it. Just, just keep my balls. Anyway, so um, I would like Danielle for you, for each one of your kids, and Erica, while you're finishing whatever you're doing over there with that wine bottle, um, wine. <laughs> um, each one of your kids, one word. Eva, sentimental, Livia, wise. Josiah, Depth, Zinnia, Sweet, Akiva, Nurturing, and Kawila Lena, Four. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to run the house. Yes. That's so sweet, though. Oh, yes. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do mine. Yes. Shasta, so, Fanta, and little girl. What are, and that is not the name of my children, <laughs> but that's what he's been calling them for the past ten years. They answer um, to it. We're good. <laughs> they do answer to it. So my oldest, Shay, I would say, uh, gentle and maternal. Um, Skyler would be brilliant and tenacious, and Winter would be would be gentle and um, shy. I'm going to say Shasta is motherly. Fanta is super, super motherly. <laughs> like, like grandma. Only motherly to me and, and looking out the window to see what I'm doing. No, she'll be in Italy on the ring door thing talking about why is, yeah, I, I no. And then little girl, sweetness. Mm-hmm. Just gentle, just yeah. gentle. But that's the thing. I think, you know, we do bond over our children and our children, you know, tutored together during the pandemic oh. as well. I don't know how. Was well that, that a cool out. thing? Was that something like, for, like. No, no. It was <laughs> no but I mean, like, please get on the, please get on the Zoom right now. I am paying for this. Get on the but Zoom. No, but I mean, like your kids tutoring together though, was that an opportunity to hopefully build friendships for later, Danielle? I mean, that would be nice, but they didn't really talk to each other because they were too busy mad that they were on the Zoom in the first place to do math. Yeah, there, was, <laughs> there were no friendships made. I don't, <laughs> I don't think they think about each other at all. Like what? Zoom. Okay. I'm not tutoring. So there's no but, Brady yeah. Bunch situation. Okay, I got you. <laughs> but you know, I want to thank Danielle for thank being you, Danielle. Here. Thank you. I want I'll be on play cousins. 
yes i Yay. hope you come back again because there's gonna be so much dope stuff happening. and you're pretty i like that you're so sweet yeah. it's beautiful you yeah. were gay and i wasn't married I know, right? Yeah, How many people have said I know both that? Of you and it just wouldn't work and you would get on her nerves, Derek. That's what I know. Yeah, I have that quality. You do. But I, I do. I, I am I am grateful and I am thankful for our friendship. And I am thankful that I can call you and just say whatever it is I need to say and not worry about anything. I'm, I'm certainly never worried about it getting to somebody else or what have you. And even though we're in the same work, there's no no competition. You know, that's not what this is about. Where I eat, you eat. If there's a way for me to figure out something that you can do, I'm going to shoot it to you as soon as I, I know. Yeah, because because that's the way life is supposed to be. But yeah. also when I'm overwhelmed and I act like and I really don't know what I'm doing, I can say that and not feel afraid because we don't have enough spaces like that as black women yeah. trying to be successful, trying to move into spaces where there aren't as many of us. And we have to prove ourselves over and over and over again. And sometimes it's just like, but dang. I, I don't want to have to do all of this. And if I don't know something, I want to be able to just say that. And then someone help me. But may I say though, possible. may I say so, say something, Erica, and I'm assuming the same for you, Danielle. I don't, I, I don't think you guys see just how dope you are and you don't want to get a big head. So I don't want to like blow it up, but My I got to tell you, big. I can never find hats that right. <laughs> I know girl, it's them click clicks. So anyway, I just want to say that I'm impressed by both of you. I'm impressed by the fact that you know each other. I'm impressed by the fact that you support each other, that you support other black women. I think that there, you know, we have this, this, uh, I don't want to call it a trope, but we constantly say, you know, black women, it always sounds like black women are striving to, to earn, or I don't know, get to a place. I think y'all are at a place and I'm proud of you for being at that place. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank Apparently you. we made it. We did it. <laughs> done, done. So can we go back to the water now? Since we made it the <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would like to go back to Hawaii and next time, um, and just bring me with you. Because yeah. lockdown is lockdown. Lockdown. Right. lockdown. Thanks for tuning in, people. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye, cousins. I'm Derek. I'm Erica. We're not related. Not at all. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs>well, I'm Erica. I'm Derek. And we're play cousins. Play cousins, not related. Not whatsoever. But and Erica now, secretly wishes that she was my sister. You know you do. And so let, let's move on to like actual facts. <laughs> <laughs> we have you know a you special do. Yes, I don't. I do not want to. I am an only child and I enjoy being an only oh, child. You that's know why? the problem. Mm. Or that is the reason why I'm so great. You didn't need to make a second one or a third one. It's just me. It was just That's enough. why you're so controlling. Am I controlling? <laughs> or am I just right? She's yes, light-skinned. So she might be one of your play cousins. Whatever. Right. She's on my side of the play cousin tree. It's the homie, the friend, the very special Miss Cat has come on. And she can drink. That's what I hear. And that's what I hear. So Miss Cat is here. She's an official play cousin now. And she's a friend of Make It Work. 
and she has become good friends with us sometime last year. And so we're talking about friendship again today, right? We're talking about what it means to be a friend, how do we keep friends, what have you. And I really want to have Carlette on because she is not originally from Las Vegas. Like me, she moved here from somewhere else. And everybody. Well, yes, I guess that's probably most people in Las Vegas. I, I didn't here. come from here. So you know when, what, so we, okay, what? When we have new friends, they have to like they have to go through certain criteria, right? Carlette is cute. She dresses well. She can drink, and um, she's efficient. <laughs> she's efficient. If you want to be my friend, you must be efficient. How are you, my friend? Because I don't know if you're the most efficient person. Uh, see, different friends have different criteria. I'm cool. <laughs> I'm dressed well, I am funny, and I'm cute. And you don't really drink? No. So you can always be the designated driver, which I appreciate. No, I can't because I need to go make money and I will not drive around a bunch of drunk. Not for free. I give you a dollar. Anyway, welcome, Carlette. Welcome to Play Cousin. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. How are you guys doing today? We're doing all right. Have some technical difficulties earlier, but we're getting we're getting our stuff together. This whole podcasting radio show thing is it's it's not as easy as I think uh, some folks might make it out to be. Definitely a learning experience, right? Yeah. And so earlier we talked to um, a good friend of mine, uh, Danielle. She lives in Michigan. And we talked about our friendship and we talked about how we, you know, connected during the pandemic. And so I wanted to start off because I know a lot of people think the pandemic is over. And for the most part, we are doing a lot of things that we weren't certainly weren't doing two years ago, but we're still not where we were. And so when it comes to friendships, do you feel like you you are in the same place that you were before the pandemic with your friends. Do you th- feel like your friendships have changed at all? Did they get better? You know, were they more strained or how did you, how did you cope through the pandemic? And did friendship help? I would have to say friendship definitely helped. Um, we, I think we kept in touch more, you know, we would schedule times where we would do ha- virtual happy hour. Sometimes we would just connect in a group and just, you know, chit chat. Having people to to talk to and share things with. I mean, sometimes, you know, friends end up being more like family. So I think everybody needs like some kind of support system. And we don't always have that with family. So friends make a a big difference, to, in my opinion. I think the pandemic's a bunch of hooey. I came out of it with the same people I went in with, Erica. Well, that's yeah. good, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Is, I mean, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. I can't think of anybody that fell to the wayside because of it. I don't. I don't know that we're built like that. I think that's. The I mean, I think, think there are people. There are people I talk to less. I think that there. I think there were just things, you know. Sometimes you have friends that you care about, but. Sometimes they lack movement in their life and they stay in these stuck positions. And And I think something like the pandemic, when you start thinking about like what's important and where do I want to spend my time and what I want to be doing with my life. There are some people it's just like, I don't know that I can really stay around you because you keep making poor decisions and I can't hey, help hey, you. Hey, hey. <laughs> I didn't say no names now. I'm just saying. But, you know, but for real, like I don't. I don't give up on people easily. You know, I think a part of being Capricorn is I feel like we we try really hard and we we create really deep and meaningful friendships. I've got friends friends that I've been close to for longer than I can remember. Literally had to be 5 years old if not younger that I've known. That's people. what I've always liked about you though. Like But there are other people I'm just like, "No." Nah. Well, I not I mean, you know, not everybody is meant to 
go through the entire journey with you. You know, there are some people back in my single days that I call road dogs, you know, because you have your, your people you hang out with, you party with, you do this, maybe you travel with. And sometimes some of those people fall by the wayside. You know, they may not be real deep relationships. I, I mean, I could think of one or two people specifically that they name were just them. Name their names so they know. They <laughs> were fun, fun people. They were fun. But then your life takes a turn. You know, maybe you get more serious. Maybe you become part of a, a couple. You get into a relationship. And some of those um, I don't want to call them friendships. I'll say acquaintanceships because, you know, some of, sometimes they just don't they don't make the cut because the person you go into the club kicking it with is not going to be the person, you know, sometimes that See. is going to last when you through your relationship. It might be a different set of circumstances. So. Were they really friends? No, that's why I called them road dogs. Some, you know, I have good friends that I just like Erica, people that I've known a long time. And some of them have been through a lot of things with me. You know, we've shared a lot of things. But and then there are people that are, you know, they're just cool, fun people to hang out with. And, you know, me, that's not always going to be lasting. That's, that may yeah, not always be a lasting me, friendship. It's all 7-Eleven not giving refills. It's like due to COVID-19, I think that those people you would have eventually been like, yo, I don't like you anymore or something like that. Because Maybe. to me. I, I just don't see it. Maybe. I mean, I, mean, I think, you know, the, and I can only speak from my circumstance. I had gone through a divorce and, you know, maybe you met some new friends along the way and you wanted to do different things. And, you know, so those friends serve that purpose. And then when, when things took a different turn, you, not everybody's gonna, gonna be on the entire journey with you. So, you do have people that are going to stick around. And then there are some people that are kind of fall by the wayside. You know, you look up on Facebook and like, wow, I haven't seen or talked to them in a while. What are they up to? What are they doing? Samples. 7-Eleven doesn't give refills. Trump was elected. I think it's all a bunch of hooey. Anyway, let's talk about friendship. Carla. I have no idea. What are you talking about? What's hooey exactly? (laughs) Because due to COVID-19, all of this stuff is an excuse. I think that those people we would have cut loose anyway. And you I might mean, be right. You point, might be right. At some, I think the pandemic may have sped up certain things because d- just like any other major event in your life, sometimes something happens, whether it's that someone passes away or the birth of a child or a marriage or whatever, things mm-hmm. change in your life. And so you are reevaluating what is important to you and what your needs are. So I think with the pandemic, it reevaluated who do I really want to spend my time with and who do I really miss? What do I miss about my life and what just needs to completely change and be like, I don't know why I was ever doing that in the first place because I I don't need to. You took it a lot. You and the girls took it a lot more seriously than I did. You guys were the only ones who I had to pass a quarantine test for. That's true. So, I mean, because you weren't coming up in my house with no cooties. Yeah, she, she literally was like, Mm-mm. "No, have you been? Tested? Where you been Mm-mm. and who you been with?" That's what I want to know. Do you have a know. mask? Mm-mm. <laughs> have you yeah, lysoled I mean, yourself recently? That's yeah. important. I mean, and we're okay. still here. We're all still here. You know. Let's due to that. talk oh, about real goodness. friends, Carlette. Why do you like yes. me? <laughs> <laughs> Let's I like focus you. on what's important. Let's talk about why. You want me as your friend. <laughs> I like Derek because Derek is funny. 
He is uh, full of personality. Take notes. Great, great to hang. Whenever we go out, we always have a good time. I really wish y'all could see my face right now. Things. Those are fun things, you know. Some you need some you need someone like that in your life. Somebody and, you can hang out with and, and just be like, you know, you don't really I have to talk tell about you, anything serious. I'm that friend who will tell you that those jeans make your butt look too big. I really wish that was my problem, but that sadly is not. But thank you. Know I would appreciate that. <laughs> look, while look, all black girls don't have real big booties. So what? <laughs> I have real butt. So what? Hey, I got a little butt. So what? We can, and I we like can make a song butts. out of anything. But Carlette, <laughs> let me ask you, because as I said earlier, we have all come from somewhere else. We've all, you know, been born and raised elsewhere outside of, of the glitter and glam of Las Vegas. When yes. you moved here, um, first, where'd you move here from? How long have you been here? And did you bring any of those friendships with you? Have they lasted through your journey into the glitter gulch, the desert? Of Las Vegas. I moved here, God, so long ago. Uh, early, early, late 80s, early 90s from New Orleans. I'm a NOLA gal. So I've been here. Um, I had been here a year and I wasn't sure I was going to stay. Honestly, I, was, I found Las Vegas hard to find friends, um, stay friends. You know, I had work friends, people that I might hang out with or whatever. But honestly, um, I met a really really fun, sweet, gorgeous, beautiful friend about a year after I got here. Is that your hot husband? (laughs) Not this time. No, this was my good friend, Cookie. Her name was Lourdes. And um, we met and we fell into a friendship really fast. We were traveling together like by the next weekend. We were really good friends. And I have to be honest, because of her, I think I stayed in Las Vegas because, you know, I was just, I was unhappy you know, I was with someone here. We lived together, but you know, having girlfriends make a difference. It really mm-hmm. makes a difference. Having, you know, someone you can talk to outside of like a relationship, and you know, that's part of the reason I think I believe why I stayed in Las Vegas. So, and she became not only a friend; she became part of my family. You know, we had kids together. We spent holidays together. We did barbecues, jazz in the park, all that good stuff. So, you know, you got to, you know, sometimes your family expands when you meet really good friends. Did you keep any of the friends from um, New Orleans? Were you able to hold on? Were you able to hold on to those relationships? There are some friends, yes. There are like maybe a handful of people that I'm still in touch with that, you know, will text and reach out on social media and stuff like that. There are some still in touch with to this day and I consider them to be really good friends because I have friends that I've grown up with that have um you know and I came here from Detroit that have moved into their own spaces Florida and Mm -hmm. and elsewhere and you know we don't get to talk as often especially once you have kids and then especially when the kids are younger and then some of their kids are younger than my kids so now I'm getting closer and closer to the whole empty nest thing so I think that that's going to be a little bit of a change too but and I've got friends who still have kids who are in elementary junior high school and so they are super busy in a different way and so but when we do talk it does feel like we can just fall into that rhythm and just be like Mm -hmm. and talk and I'm not a big on the phone person I actually hate Mm -hmm. talking on the phone and I don't even know where that came from because as a kid you know I love being on the phone but then now I think it's because I'm on zoom and on the phone for work all the time that it's just like I can't even 
describe how much I detest being on the phone, but I can get on the phone with some friends and we can talk for three hours. And because we had so much to keep what's, what's going on with your kids, what's going on with your mama, what's going on with you, what's yeah. going on with your husband, what's going on with yeah. work. Like you got all these different, like you got to have an agenda. And it's like, cause you want to know all the things and you want to reconnect in that way. And then you do it for as long as you can and be like, okay. And then we might not talk for another couple months, but we might see each other on social media or, or text right. or, send a funny right. or something like that. But it just gets so much harder when you have so much stuff going on. And I think my friends have learned, you know, um, from this work that I do that, especially during election season, they're like, well, we know we just won't talk to you until after November and we can just chat then. So, and I appreciate that about them, but sometimes I do miss the old days of spending the night and, and staying up and, and just talking and slumber party. Slumber party, slumber party, but we need to do that. Let's do a slumber party. That'll be fun. We should have a slumber party, like a big one in a hotel somewhere and do all the things because that's where, that's fun. Just watch movies. I'm totally down, but I picked the movies. None of those female movies. You can't come. Oops. Oh, oh. You can't come. This is a girl's oh. slumber party, and you would just make it about you. And you just said you can't. You just are. You already decided. As soon as we say slumber party, you already talking about what we can't do. Well, I'm sorry. What man. kind of man one oppression one of is that? We need. We need to plan a different party with you then. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a ha- maybe <laughs> an after work happy hour party. Yeah, that might I'm be down. better. Carlet. Anywho, Carl. Carlette, thank you for becoming a play cousin. Thank you for tolerating this. Thanks for having me. This was fun. I appreciate it. Carlette, I love you. Love you too. Bye. Oh, all this love. Gosh. You know, Erica, I think you should probably concentrate more on being the kind of friend that I am. I'll take notes for Hey y'all, I'm Erica. I'm Derek. And we're play cousins. Not related. Here we are. It's time for the stoop. This is Derek's favorite part. This because Derek likes being messy. So this is the favorite part. And we only have one topic. We usually have 14 different things we want to talk about during the stoop. But obviously, and everybody's been talking about it. So we felt like we had to jump in because, you know, that's who we are. So we're going to talk about what, Derek? We're going to talk about the slap. The slap around the world. And who are we host? Who are we having this conversation with? Okay, so this show is about friends. I have known this person since he was a little bitty model. Uh, back in the day, I'm so proud of like, the person he's become, the man he's become, the father he's become. I've known Gene for almost 30 years. Gene and I were instant friends, and we still are. So I'm happy to have him on the show. Welcome, Gene. Gene. Oh, thank you very much. That was uh, quite the introduction, my friend. It's good to be here. Mm-hmm. Thank you. True. Well, thank you for pulling up a cushion here on the stoop as we talk about the slap, which I must say there was a whole show, actually two shows called The Slap. One I think was British or Australian or something. And then there was an American version. So every time someone says The Slap, I think of that show, which was about, you know, I think a little kid getting slapped or something by an adult. I can't remember. But I think it came on ABC. I have no idea. That's kind of of art imitating life right there for you. A little bit, a little bit. Well, All right. So, so what's the reaction? Okay. What are what are we even talking about? I mean, it happened now, you know, a little bit ago. So, why are we even still talking about this? Well, what I want, what I do want to talk about, is I want to make sure that we talk about the fact that it has gone from slap to like blaming Jada to like all this other stuff, and that's what I want to talk about. You know, I I, I actually 
have been bothered by this for a couple other reasons, actually. I mean, first and foremost, um, I'm, hear me out. I'm going to come to Chris Rock first, believe it or not. Okay. I, I find that Chris Rock was kind of tone deaf. And yes, I know he's, he's the victim and he was the one who took the slap. You know, I, I'm disappointed. And here's why. Um, that was a Sunday, what, two Sundays ago now? Uh, and or one Sunday ago, I don't recall how many weeks. It's all a blur now. But you have to remember that this was a Sunday coming off of the week prior that we had a full five, if not six days of uh, Judge Jackson being pummeled by mm -hmm. congressional white guys. That's all we listened to for a week. Dude, why are you making this joke about his sister the, day, the, the very next Sunday after the week like that? It just didn't seem because like he was... he's had her name in his mouth for years. And I think that's well, the problem. you know, that weekend he should have refrained for just for that reason alone. And I get it. It was a light joke. It was a joke about, you know, bald women. Well, with G.I. Jane joke. I get it. But yeah, you know, can we're kind of tired of our sisters being beat up this week. Can you like refrain? Yeah. So there was, there was, there was that element. And, uh, the other element is more of a broad thing. I personally, I love, I love Chris Rock. I think he's in part shaped some of my cultural perspective from boomerang to CB4 to his standups. I love Chris Rock. Um, I don't like Chris Rock at the Oscars. But I don't like Ricky Gervais, for that matter, at the Oscars. And he's hilarious, right? Mm -hmm. But that venue, and I, as a former actor, that venue is really, in my view, is to celebrate the work of actors. And really, it's a Lifetime Achievement Award because all the work they got to did to get to the point of being cast in a role that would even be considered for that. The problem I have is that none of this that we are talking about, that anyone's talked about since the slap has been the performances, the hard work that ritual once a year is really about. I mean, it's, it's turned into, did you hear what the comic said? I get it. It's funny, but I don't hear anything about the performances. I don't know if I hadn't seen uh, King Arthur, I wouldn't have known what he did in the film to get the, to get, the get the Oscar. I don't know what his competition was like. I don't know anything about, the artist's work, and that's what the Oscars and the Screen Actors Guild and the SAG, the SAG Awards and the all those awards, the Sundance Film uh, Festival Awards, all these awards are for supposed to be for the celebration of those artists, which the Oscars just don't do that at all anymore. All they do is talk about comic and the brutal jokes and the reactions to it. And for me, it's just more of the same. Yes, it got taken up a notch because audience slops back, to use a metaphor. But, you know, the guy messed up his career probably, more than likely. You know what? I think we want to let him off, and we shouldn't. Chris Rock really messed up. And I think that what's happened is he has now given um, people license to go after black men. I don't know about all that. But so here's how I look at this. I think that, one... 
it got blown up into something way bigger than what it even necessarily had to be. Like I like Will Smith shouldn't have walked on stage and hit him. It was really weird. And, and honestly, in the beginning, nobody even thought it was real, right? It thought it was some sort of spoof or part of a skit or something. Um, he probably could have played it off that way. I don't even understand, you know, how he got to the point of laughing in the audience to going up there. The whole thing felt weird. To, so to me, I feel like it's more than just about whatever he said about uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's uh, appearance. I feel like it's more um, that is deeper. I don't know. The, I don't know their backstory. I don't know their friendship or lack of friendship or what have you. And and maybe this was a final straw or what have you. But the part that is most disturbing to me, and, and I think to your point, Gene, about people missing the point of the show and the point of, of the awards program in the first place is that, you know, it's about celebration of, of um, achievement. But what I keep coming back to is like, there's just so much going on in the world. You got Clarence Thomas's wife out here texting and, and organizing uh, folks to, to help Trump. You've got, uh, you know, the insurrectionists, they're barely getting any sort of uh, punishment for the, the wrongs that they did. And I feel like this is spending more time in the news than that. And what I can't understand Maybe. is, is that, and I, I love a, a, a good play. I'm a musical fanatic. I'm a I'm a stage play fanatic. That's that's where my love is. I can't act. I don't want to act. I can I want to watch these things and I can see how you know people spend their time honing their craft and I can see why people are fans of folks. And I think it's more about people see Will Smith. Either you want to be him, you want to be his his lover, or you you want to be his friend. You want to have his lifestyle and all of this. And so we put them on such high pedestals. Yet you have other folks who who are already on these pedestals, the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, and, and he's doing all kind of, you know, ridiculous things and his wife is doing ridiculous things. That's what we need to be talking about. That's what we need to be spending our time. But I think Will Smith is going to get punished more than than uh, Clarence Thomas or his wife or mm -hmm. or um, the insurrectionists. Like, where are our priorities with this? Like, I, I guess I just don't understand why we can spend so much time being appalled and, and shocked and, and having and, have, and, and people just calling for him to be punished in some sort of way. Yes, he did something wrong and there should be some repercussions to that. But then we need to move on to like really important things that actually affect our lives. But Erica, don't mm -hmm. you think about it. This is like built like for this whole moment of... um. Uh, critical race theory and all that other crap. This is like the perfect storm for those people to you say, think? "See, see, what yeah. that black people don't this know how so to act deeper. when they I get mean, dressed up and get on TV." That's underlying, and I'm also sick of black people saying, "Oh, well, you know, he shouldn't have done that because it makes us look bad." They don't Screw make that. Me, he doesn't. Will Smith cannot make me look bad. We are not related. And even if we are related, you can't make me look bad because you chose to uh, do what you did. And then whatever's going on with his marriage, like, you know, they also put themselves out there in a, in a weird sort of way. You know, both Jada and Will, especially Jada. I do. I just think I feel like see, see, you just there's, did it. You there's just too did much accessibility to their relationship, you, which I think also has people shame. feeling like they should have these conversations. I, I want to chime in on that. Um, but you know what? I, I agree with with you, actually. Uh, they need to be told a little bit, too, because wasn't it within a year ago last year? Wasn't it she was sleeping with some rapper and they're all public about that? And now 
How dare you have my wife's uh, name in uh, your mouth? I'm going to slap you, on, you know what the, on the Oscars in front of everybody in her honor. It's like, how do they find that balance? You Either you want to be in front or the... Imbalanced. Yeah. <laughs> that is imbalanced. Ain't no way in the world. Mm. I mean... You guys... You know what I think? I think Will would have been served if he had not gotten out of his chair. If he'd have screamed on him like he did, keep my wife's name out your mouth. If he'd have did that from his chair and never gotten up, it might have been okay. Oh, yeah. But he got up, you know, and he got up and took it to the next level. Yeah, that's a a lot for their I think you guys blame the wife, blame the woman, blame the black woman. Who's blaming the wife? No, I'm not blaming her at all. But I think she. I mean, I think she does have a part in all of this because I think they're all accountable. They all. They all. They all, they all need to be held accountable. They right. really do. But I, I'm not. I'm not wife blaming whatsoever, think, and that's that's not where I'm it, going. Me either. Me either, Derek. I would not do I that. I think that there's a concerted effort to blame it on Jada. Well, I mean, yeah. they've already brought down Will, so the next one, yeah, Domino would be her yeah. because, but, yeah. I'm not, Right. Does but that it's like he you? couldn't have done it on his own without the Jezebel. Does that surprise you, though, that they're trying to bring both of them down? Look at Obama and Michelle. I mean, Barack and Michelle. That's what they're going to do. Of course, they're going to try to bring both of them down. That doesn't surprise me in the least. Okay, Michelle. I think. I think you. how. I think. I think how we wrap this up is that you know nobody's perfect. No couples are perfect, and you know stuff happens. Wait, one more thing. So we'll see Ten years. Next. He's 10 years he's banned. What about Roman Polanski? What about uh, Mel Gibson? What about um, Harvey Weinstein? None of them have been banned. No, you know what? And I mean, you're absolutely right. Can I ask a question, though? Mm. And and I agree with that 100%. Mm. Of course, we're going to get held to a different standard, almost, you know, unfair standard. I, not That shouldn't surprise you. But I just have to throw this into the into the into the into the box. If that had been Ricky Gervais up there making them jokes, would Will Smith would have run up there and slapped him like that? No. Doubtful. There's there's your rub. If that was a white man up there saying jokes about his wife, would he have went up there and slapped the taste out of his mouth like that? And I just think that when you have that much money and that much power that you find another way to get at people, you don't have to, you didn't have to slap them. You could have made sure Chris Rock didn't work, you know, get, didn't get that next Netflix special or, or whatever. Yeah. He would have been able to pull some strings or something to do something that would actually hit them where it would hurt and do it from the back and not um, have to actually lay hands on them. And it's fronting. It's fronting. It's fronting. Because if it was personal and he really pissed the dude off, dude would have been like, you know, between, you know, commercial breaks, he'd been like, let me tell you something, player, I'm going to catch you when this is over with, and I'm going to slap the taste out your mouth. That's personal. He harder. did that to be public and to be showboaty, and it, it backfired on him. I don't know what yep. he was thinking, but that was dumb, okay? It's like you just turned really arguably the greatest night of your life into arguably the worst night of your life. And that's how he'll be remembered. Well, that's the stoop, y'all. We got to go. We're getting harassed over here by a producer. We have spent way too much time talking. Just getting warmed up, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Well, we might have a whole nother conversation about it sooner rather than later, because I really think there's going to be more um, to say as far as what his punishments are, because it looks like he's going to be losing some movie deals and other things. So, you know, what is this in the grand scheme of life? I don't know. I guess we'll just see. All right, y'all. All All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for being on, Gene. Hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Ciao. 
Play Cousins is powered by Make It Work Nevada, a project of Tides Advocacy, created by Derek Washington and produced by Erica Washington and Brenda Zamora. For more information, please visit www.playcousinspodcast.com.